the work that we do is in highly sensitive areas. But let's open in a word of prayer, and I pray that God will speak to your hearts through what God has put on our hearts to share about serving Jesus Christ. Our dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that we do have the privilege today in this country to meet, to worship you, to praise your name, uh, to study your word, Lord, to worship you in, in such a mighty and amazing way. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, and forgiving your Son for us who are so unworthy, so ungrateful for what we could not earn and what we sure do not deserve to have eternal life through you, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us to live out your word in our life. Help us to be as we sang the song about the lighthouse, that each life here today would be a life that not only is a lighthouse, but a disciple-making lighthouse, who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, Lord, to reach the people coming into this country, the people that are in this country, to never give up praying for our government and leaders even when we disagree. Lord, to, to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who risk and give their life and suffer for your name's sake every day. Lord, protect them. Watch over them. Lord, help us to remember them each day in our prayers in every country that is under persecution today. Lord, open our hearts and our eyes that we will just grow closer to you, to abide in you, and for you to abide in us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I wanted to just start off and, and share with you a little of the history of who we are, what we do, all because of Jesus Christ. And I know when our dear sister here mentioned about God providing, it just it makes me think of Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That he is the strength, he is the provider, and as we were around at different churches and mission organizations this year, what came to my mind are two words. People prayed, prayer. God provided, God answered, and God heard. And what happened about six years ago, I retired in Texas on a job. We met a dear sweet pastor who's, I think he was 77 or 76 then. I think now he just turned 83, 84. And uh, what happened is that began the ministry of us raising up teams because God spoke to our heart through a missionary friend who had been working in China for almost 28 years now, in Thailand and Cambodia and, and in Asia and South Asia countries and areas. And he started out working with one particular people group 
and that has carried forward. And when we met him uh, six years ago, I asked him, I said, what can we do to help you more? And he said, do you really mean that? And he gave me a look that I like to tell every time because the look-in was one of, are you sincere? Are you ready to go where God leads you and opens the door? And I said, uh, well, what do you have in mind? I said, I don't like the look in your eye, you know? And, and so he explained, he said, you know, he said, I can't do what needs to be done because I'm living in these countries with maximum exposure almost as much as our dear friends here today where they're in restricted and very difficult countries that basically can cost you not just verbal persecution but torture prison and even death having a meeting like this could cost everybody here many many trials and hardships loss of your home loss of a job your family thrown out of a village tortured and interrogated put in prison and even your life taken for the sake of Jesus Christ for sharing Jesus Christ and worshiping without a government permit well what God put on our heart very quickly was Lord what am I gonna do I've never been to Asia I don't speak those languages I said I am the least qualified for what is asking us to be a part of and yet somehow God just spoke to our hearts and we knew don't worry about what you don't know just let me lead you and that's saying where God leads we must follow and what God put in our heart became a reality in about 10 months we had 22 people that we talked with uh, many we talked with but 22 said you know I think we'd like to go I think we'd like to go haul Bibles into these uh, Asian countries and we'd like to be part of a team well our missionary friend says back to me don't worry about what you don't know if you're ready willing and able let God lead He says, I've got a friend I've been working with for 20 years and he'll be your mentor your coach and do his best to keep you out of trouble well God opened the doors it ended up to where 13 of us went on the first trip the other nine had problems with family members they had to take care of that were elderly and ill uh, A to Z happens in life and I find about every year we usually have about double the amount of people in the beginning who want to go next year but by the time next year gets here people are dying people are in the hospital people lose jobs people can't get time off from a job you know everything happens but you know what I know this number one raise up an army of prayer warriors everywhere we go to share this ministry and let God control 
not only his providing, but his timing and who and when and the finances to even make it happen. Well, you know what? When it got right down to the wire every year, in the next two weeks, we're ordering airline tickets for our October team. It looked like we were going to have an October-November team. Now it looks like we're going to have an October and partially into November team because we had probably the largest group that were wanting to go to Asia and transport God's word to people who could not afford it or didn't have a way of getting it. And so all of a sudden we find out that about nine or ten people who wanted to go can't make it this year, but they're praying and hoping that they can go next year for, again, a variety of reasons. But see, God knows. And so it's not my job to worry and stress over who goes and who doesn't go and the details. Because what? Our Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Our Father is going to be the provider, and we're to trust Him no matter what. He is the one has opened every door, blessed and provided. And we started out to where we were hauling about three to 5,000 Bibles, you know, every couple of weeks into these countries. And what happened was, all of a sudden, it was seven, eight, nine thousand Bibles being hauled in per trip. And that's kind of the way it went. And through our main organization, but that is our, our main operation, uh, little facility where we operate of in Asia to warehouse, transport, and receive Bibles that are donated from three major organizations. And uh, we were getting about, oh, 50, 60, 70,000 Bibles a year six years ago. Now it's up to about a quarter of a million a year that are being donated. Also, God opened up the door for us to print Bibles in specific <coughs> groups and tribal uh, uh, ethnic languages, and so now we're printing uh, three different languages. Uh, God opened up the door two years ago to take DVDs and CDs and set up duplication in one country. And I think we've now duplicated close to 40,000 DVDs and CDs. And that is accelerating. But the neat part about it is we're buying those CDs and DVDs in one country for about 11 cents a piece. And so how many people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ for 11 cents? You know? And this is what gets us excited because it's not one person hearing, but it's dozens and dozens and sometimes hundreds are hearing the message of Jesus Christ. But there's not enough time to share and tell you all the things that I want to share right now, so I'm going to kind of skip over a few things and let you know that when this service is over, Joy and I are happy to answer questions, explain things, and I've kind of set up a display here. These are some of the items, and I won't name them one by one, but I can tell you this. These are called audio, and then we have video. There are certain devices, some broadcast in a crowded area, marketplace, airport, or bus station, and people can access and download the Bible in their language. What happened a year ago as part of all this, uh, one organization 
what they did was said that they said, you know, for 70 some years we've been recording Bible stories and various things in over 6,000 now 400 languages plus. They gave us their entire library on flash drives, backup, hard drives, uh, things that are heat proof, moisture, humidity proof, and so we've got duplicates in one location and another in another location as backup of all of this. Just in the last oh, five months ago when we met with them, they said, you know, we see what God has been doing the last couple of years and we want to help you further. We're willing to send in our recording teams to help you record Bible stories and verses and doctrine and Bible teaching in whatever language you see and we see does not have God's word in their language. And so now uh, God opened up that door and in the last 90 days we've recorded four languages in the Gospels and Lord willing by January those four languages will be complete with the New Testament and we have another I think it's either nine or ten other languages that are going to be on the table our target languages on people that do not have the full New Testament or the Gospels or anything in audio or print and so uh, what God's opened up is a window of opportunity that I can tell you already each dollar that goes into this ministry each dollar is seeing three to five people or more come to Jesus Christ because you see every one of us that are involved in this ministry we don't get paid we live off of our retirement and our children's inheritance <laughs> I have five sons and I said I've done all I could do for you and there's one thing you're either gonna seek Jesus Christ as Lord God of your life or you're gonna end up in hell and you're gonna suffer forever I said I'm not pounding God's word over your head I just want you to be fully aware of what you have at risk it's either pleasure and entertainment today and business as it was when I was young business was my God making money was my God and I told my son don't make the mistake and be stupid like I was realize who Jesus is and come to grips with your own decision to follow Jesus Christ and be sold out to Jesus Christ and so I told him I said you know I've done everything I could do but when God put this ministry on our heart I said sons there will be no inheritance because when I die I'm going to be broke because every dollar every month that comes in is for just living as much as we can to either raise up people to pray give or go or be a volunteer a prayer warrior be a part of reaching people for Jesus Christ locally right where you live right next door in your community our government in our country reaching out to all the different ethnic groups that good or bad they are coming into this country so reach them for Jesus Christ you know learn how we have a free display rack and this has any language you want of any language that has come people group that have come into the United States and we give that free to any church like you any group that will take that and if you know somebody who's Muslim if they're 
any, any, from Mexico, South America, Asia, the Middle East, you name it, European languages. We've got the New Testament. We've got all this available with Bible stories and the good news of creation right through the resurrection to teach them in all the major hundred plus languages that are in this country today. And even, you know, if, if, if they don't have it, we'll even duplicate it and provide it to you freely so that you can have a display rack and say you're working with somebody from India and they're speaking Punjabi or, or Hindi and you say, well, boy, how do I get something like that? You can come right here, we'll set you up and have one sent to you. You can have a free display rack with, with the gospel, with the good news in their language and if you meet them at the cleaners, the gas station, the store, where you work, you can say, here's a CD, you know, I just noticed you were from a different language or country than, than I am, but you know, I just wanted to give you a gift of love to welcome you to America. And, and if you like this, and I'll come back and say hello in a couple of weeks to you, but see, you don't even have to speak. You don't even have to memorize scripture. I mean, even not, don't, don't use that as an excuse, but, <laughs> but it's just the whole thing is it's so easy to share Jesus Christ with the tools that are to, available today. We, we have cards, and, and, and what we've put together on our website, if John's done a good job. <laughs> but what we have is where you can go to the websites, you can download in almost any language what I'm sharing with you. You can go with your phone, any smartphone. If you have a smartphone, most people in America seem these days to have a smartphone. So if you have a smartphone, you can go download the Bible, the New Testament in any language, Bible stories, the plan of salvation, A to Z. You can all download, you can download the Jesus films. We've got the Jesus film access. So Magdalena, Life of Christ. We've got the animated version by another organization. And I'm not going to name a bunch of organizations because it'd be too much editing here today. <laughs> but I just want to let you know that God has provided a wealth of information that we can use and uh, you'll see a little bit of this in a couple of it, a three minute, a one minute, and a one minute, three little video clips we want to show you in a minute. But I just want to let you know our, our burden and our passion that God put on our hearts six years ago is greater today than it was yesterday, last year, and five years ago. Because you know what my prayer is? I met a man 82 years old. And that was about six years ago in Hong Kong. And I, I looked at that man, and here that man is hauling Bibles to people who couldn't afford them and didn't have a way to get them in remote places. And I thought, Lord, please help me. When I die, I want to kick the bucket and fall over with a load of Bibles going somewhere. <laughs> you know, And I don't care if it's audio, video, you know, the Jesus film, something that is going to proclaim the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ clearly. And so all these tools are available, you know. And so we, we don't charge up to this point, even though we've had permission from several organizations. They say, look, if you need to help defray your cost and, 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 and supply these to people who can't afford them, you know, there's two thoughts about that. One is, say something costs me a dollar. 
If I give it to somebody who doesn't have much money for a penny or a nickel or a dime, you know, they have an investment. People that pay a price for something, monetarily or in effort or risk, I find people are more appreciative and value the content deeply if they have a personal investment in it. But there are some, like the widow's mite. They may not even have the two mites. You know, I mean, they have nothing. You know, they have very little. And they need help, not just for them, but so they can use these tools to use to download, upload. Uh, and one thing you'll, you'll see over here is a little mini speaker, this blue. We can put a micro SD card loaded with the New Testament, Bible stories, and the good news, the gospel, etc., all on those cards. And we have it basically at this point to where about 250 pastors in five countries that we trained and equipped last January and February and October, November, they've started over 300 house churches and villages in almost 40 languages. And, and what they told me, which... Uh, I'll share this and we'll get right to the video. It's just that what they told me, I said, you know, God's put on our heart to start 1,200 churches. And they came back the next day after we trained them on the devices, the equipment, and how to use it and, and get them all set up with their specific languages and CDs, DVDs, and so forth. And they came back and they said, we only have one question. Why is your faith so small? And I'm thinking, I mean, I'll tell you, it, it almost brings me to tears this second because I think about these people, about three dozen of them, risking their life to even meet with me. And they're asking me why my faith is so small. And I kind of misunderstood them. I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, last night we're praying for 5,000 churches and we're praying for one million people to come to know Jesus Christ in one country alone. And they're from that country. You know, this is her first time to America. And we had the privilege to take them to so many beautiful places that, forgive me for being emotional, because I'm normally not this much. But when I think about, they risk their life for Jesus Christ. They put it all on the line. And so, you know, to me, what a pleasure that, it just, again, you know how God speaks to you to talk to somebody, to share, to give them a ride, to, to do whatever God puts on your heart to do. And my, my encouragement to you and my challenge to you today is, if God is speaking to you to get your heart right, to do something locally, globally, it's about where does God want you to be individually in reaching people with the saving message of Jesus Christ to make disciples who make disciples to share the good news to not worry about how many numbers you can chalk up on people that prayed to accept Jesus Christ but just saying Lord I just want to be the messenger I want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ Lord you're in charge of the numbers your Holy Spirit is the one that convicts and draws not me and so you know to, to just ask God in your life every day. Lord, what am I to do? Am I to go to Asia? Am I to go to Middle East? Am I to go to Europe? Am I to go in my backyard? Where am I supposed to go? At work, 
where, where I shop, you know, wherever it is, to be that lighthouse like we just sung about. You know, we know Jesus paid it all. And so I think about I serve a risen Savior. He lives. Amazing grace and how great thou art. And I, I think about Luke 19.10, and I put four Bible verses on the back of our little business card that a dear friend of ours designed and, and uh, for us uh, a few months ago. And uh, the Philippians 4.13, Luke 19.10, what is our purpose? Our purpose is to be the same as Jesus Christ. He said, I came to seek and to save those that are lost. And that's our mission. That should be our vision. That should be our passion every day to reach people who do not have eternal life, who do not know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for Him to be not just our Lord and the giver, and the giver, and the giver, but to be the Master and the Lord of our life, to be on the throne of our life. And whenever we start climbing up on that throne, we need to kick ourselves back off and put Jesus back on that throne, that God is the one that is our Master, and He's our Lord. And we're living not for the temporary life of the short time we're going to be living here, but we're living for the reward to worship and be with our Lord and Savior forever. And, and I just challenge you with those words. Uh, I could go on and, and give you a ton of numbers and a lot of details uh, about what God is doing, but I can just tell you this. I know that when we see many people come to know Jesus Christ and and it just, it, there is no sacrifice. There is no part of it. Uh, I mean, there's a few times you might get nervous when the police stop you and give you a little bit of bad time for a few minutes. But you know what? They haven't arrested me yet. They haven't beaten me and thrown me in prison. And I haven't had to give my life. But you know what? I'll be honest with you. I could care less. If that's where God's going to take me home, so be it. If God ordained it, then he's going to carry me through. Because you know what? The human body, one thing, as you get older, you learn it's falling apart, for one thing. And the next thing you learn is that, you know what? Who's the healer and who's that provider? It's just that God is going to take care of us. And he is going to give us all the strength we need. We have a Bible verse, and then we'll roll these three little video clips is Joshua 1.9. It says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I think the King James is, Whithersoever thou goest. You know, but the whole thing is, it's wherever you go, where God leads you, God is going to take care of you. Minute by minute, day by day. That doesn't mean we're not going to suffer. That doesn't mean we're not going to have trials. It's not going to be a bed of roses. But you know what? I made up my mind. I'm not coming to know Jesus Christ just for the benefits for me. To where I know I've got that ticket into heaven. I want to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. And so when we can sing how great thou art, we can mean it, and we can live it, and know that Jesus paid it all. He's our Lord and Savior. When you go over to Asia, you learn real quick. We start praying, 
in the morning, people that work during the week, they get back together in the evening, and they have their meetings in the evening, sometimes once, two, three, four times a week. And when they get together, different, different little house churches like this that I've been at, they pray for the first one or two hours. Then they get into message one, and that's another hour, hour and a half. People are on their knees praying, and they may pray for another half hour, an hour. Then message two comes in, and then there's another hour, and then they want wrap it up with another hour or two of prayer. And I've, I've been in inside of one restricted country, and I knew I had to catch the last train back to Hong Kong, and so it's just, I had to leave at 10.30, almost missed the train, but what a blessing. When I left, they were still praying, and they told me that next day, they said some of them were there till 1, 2 in the morning, still rejoicing and, and praying, and they had to get up at 4.35 to go to work, a couple of them were school teachers teaching elementary age children in that country. And so uh, the blessings are many. Thank you for having us here. Um, I wouldn't say my name again because I know you have this wonderful fellowship and we want to give you a chance to talk with us. So that's a good opening and that's my friend and partner and co-worker. Um, so we can have a little bit of intermingling. We work in a country which is restricted. At times, you might hear of news of persecution. I know all of us, our hearts are very heavy and sad, but, you know, in countries like these, we have to recognize that God is on the throne. So while we see some of these um, intensities and pressures, um, people in there, we recognize that we serve a God that is much bigger much bigger, much greater than what you see might be the, 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 the stresses. And, and we have some stories later on as we, you know, uh, we can share about how, how, how God takes His church and His believers and He gives them creativity to, to overcome or to stand up uh, what's um, the situation that we may find ourselves to be in. But before that, I, I shared with some, um, that gentleman in black yesterday night that we, we, I come from a traditional church where I am and every Sunday when we have a gathering like this you must talk a little bit about the word of God um, you know so he's been very kind and gracious to say let's let's just have a little time and talk about God um, I was going to say um, when we first stepped in we feel just right at home where we are, this is the norm. House meetings is the norm. We have a few registered churches and so on, but they are far and few in between. So, you know, this just brings back Asia and home to us, where we all meet in the home and we have this kind of fellowship. And it's, it's very heavenly, because, you know, sitting down here as we sang, Behold, God is on the throne. We're talking about all different ethnicities, our nations, our peoples, our language. I think... Quite a good spread is represented here. So we just want to say, hallelujah, we are seeing a little bit of heaven right here in Pastor Brian's house. Okay. Um, since it's about missions, I felt I wouldn't be, it's just a little bit of reflection of what I have, God has just put upon my heart. And that's what Pastor Brian says on the Great Commission is taken from Matthew 28. Um, if you have your Bibles, iPhone, iPads, whatever, if you just, otherwise I'll just read a little bit. It's just a little bit of reflection and then we'll talk about the story. 
It's just the last bit. We all know about the Great Commission. Anyone who's been to mission school or mission sermons talks about the Great Commission at the end of Matthew. Um, I just want to share a little bit of thoughts on that one, where it starts from verse 16 all the way to the end of Matthew 28, where it talks, and I'll read it for us, um, which it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and this was after the resurrection. Uh, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, which we all know the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This took place after the crucifixion and the resurrection. And the disciples came and saw Jesus, and the first thing they did was they worshipped him. Um, Pastor Brian said, John Piper, in that nations be glad, said missions exist because worship doesn't, because they did not worship God, does, they do not worship God, and therefore we have to bring the Bibles to them. Um, what I, upon reflection of this message was, as we worship God, the God who just completed his crucifixion and resurrection on the throne for all peoples, because God so loved the world, that missions is an extension of our worship. Because it is not done. We who have the truth, we who have the salvation, we who have that which gives us eternity of, of blessings, have that, uh, have that um, uh, engagement to bring this to those who have not heard and who have not believed. And uh, there was one thought that God has brought to my mind as I looked at this verse and this passage, that missions, what we do in, bringing, in bridging the gap with, of the believers and the lost with the Bible, with the gospel, is an extension of our worship, beyond our singing, beyond our worshiping, beyond our Bible reading and teaching. And then the Word of God says some doubted, you know, I suppose that the 11 disciples, some were, you know, going the hallelujah, the hallelujah gang, God is on the throne, we are all victorious. But there are some of us in church, and it's in every situation, we'll be wondering, you know, are we sure? You know, are we sure? Can we do it? You know, um, we see some bits of God, we see some bits of us. And some doubted, the Bible is very honest with us, and some of the disciples doubted. And I wonder if those who were there at that point in time would understand and know that, you know, back then, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 later, the gospel will be in Brian's house being preached at this point in time or in parts of Asia, parts of Latin America, in Africa, where there were people all over the world in different times on a Sunday worshipping God, praising God, and, and, and wanting to share that same message to those who have not believed. Some doubted, but the Great Commission, the Word of God, is beyond our doubts, beyond our uncertainties. So it is alright to doubt. It is alright to be unsure. But... God is on the throne, God will do it. That is the reflection I have. And then Christ gives the commission to those who are the hallelujahs and who, those who doubt and says, all authority and all power is given to me because he has just done it. You know, he, for the sake of the whole world, you know, hung on the cross for us and for those who are not us yet, who have not yet believed. And he resurrected and with that came the power and authority, but it, it does not rest with him. He said, therefore, to his disciples, go. So as, he, as the Father has sent him, so send he us. Um, we go, or we do whatever we are doing to bring the gospel across to the nations. 
with the power and authority of Christ. So, so while we see, you know, all that, all that pressures and stress, but we go with the authority of God, we go with the power of God, we come with a much greater power and authority, if you like, than what we see is being faced by all the churches. So that's the promise that a lot of us have that work in, 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 in difficult places, and it could be difficult physically or emotionally. I mean, we have a missionary friend in Italy. Well, we look at persecuted churches like this, but he, they, they, they were sharing with us that some of the hardest work is in Italy because people don't hear. You know, in, in, in Asia, people hear, and then we run around the authorities, we hide in houses, but we see God's blessing in a different way. But in, in, in areas, in, in Italy, in Europe, where, you know, you're comfortable and you have places that people don't want to hear. You know, people have hardened hearts, and that's another kind of stress. So what we think about persecuted church, we want to pray also for, for, for groups who are working, who seem to be um, physically easy, but spiritually they face a lot of hardship, a lot of barriers, a lot of bondage. Because, um, you know, Italian says, you know, we are Rome. You know. the, church, the church is us, the church came from us, and that's, that's another challenge and struggle. But all authority, all power comes from Christ, and Christ bids us to go make disciples, to go into missions as extension of our worship. And that's where our basis is. And then he says to make disciples. And what was telling to me was when we make disciples, uh, my thought was, you have to be first a disciple of God before you can go make disciples. You cannot tell your children to do this and that, and then you go the other way. And similarly, when God calls us to make disciples, we have first to be a disciple of God. And that's what God keeps his church going in the, uh, in the Acts church. And they were growing and they were so fervent and there was so much spirit-blessed and spirit-led activity because they were first a disciple of God. And as they lived being a disciple of God, they make disciples as God leads them to go to different parts of Jerusalem, Judea, and wherever else God sets them all to be. So, so I sometimes look at the Great Commission. It's not just to go, but it's more like to follow. As we follow Christ, as we follow Christ, naturally means that we obey his commandments, we make disciples, and we bring the good news to all parts of the world. And part of discipleship making, we baptize them. Baptism is an open commitment, which in America, maybe it's not like this. In Asia, we are very reserved, and sometimes in places like that, we, you know, we believe in God and we keep it in our hearts. But God says when we follow him, we, we want to be baptized with him, and through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it is an open commitment, open communication. We're telling the world, we're telling people that I am one with God. Now, I have proclaimed Him as my Savior, which is good. We all have eternal life. But it doesn't stop there. A Savior, and then as my Lord. As my Lord, which means I follow the precepts that God has given to His church and His, and His, and His believers. So to baptize them as a... Being a discipleship is an open and formal proclamation and commitment to Him, and then to teach them all things. I was sharing with um, that lovely couple last night. God says to teach. God doesn't say to tell. Because I think when we teach, it is an alignment of our values with the values of God. No, we, we don't tell the gospel. I mean, we can tell the gospel. I can read to you, but at the end of the day, this could be just another book. Just another book. But God says, teach the word that it may be learned, it may be internalized, 
that what we believe, what God believes, and what God desires become my desires. That what God's heart is through the teaching of the Word, we align our lives, our hearts, our convictions with that of our heavenly Father. And then the promise is, you know, our God is with us in all that we do as we make disciples, as we baptize, as we teach until the end of the age. Until he comes for us or until we are done and we go to him. So that's what was the kind of thought I have in, of, of Matthew 20, 28, the last bit. And it's more like an encouragement to myself and to all of us that, you know, as we, as we join with God in the privilege of, of, of reaching whoever he leads us to reach. And it could even be in your neighborhood, uh, across the nations or the countries where we are. Um, God's promises, God's enabling, God's power and authority, and his very presence is with us. So we talk about discipleship making. Um, I will let her come up. And she is a, a native of the country. And you can ask her name, where she come from later how she was, how, how the Lord through some people reached her and what she now does. And then I'll ask her to also share a little bit also about the story of one pastor up in the mountains, how God reached him in his own way and how God is now using him in, 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 in reaching the surrounding ethnic people. And then when God gives us some other stories, I will share if you have the time. If you think we're just talking too much, can we have so much stories to share, you just... Say this, okay? And with the time out, let's go for lunch, okay? I am a fruit of a team that who brought the Bible, but in our country, we never say that it's Bible, we say that it's coffee. <laughs> so the, the team that who bring the coffee inside the country since 1998. Um, it was my uh, first year student. It was amazing because um, I was in that country, everyone wanted to work for the government because... Um, uh, corruption, so you will get rich <laughs> if you work for. And I had my parents and I myself had that desire to work for the government to become a custom officer. Uh, I got the entry examination to the university. I got good results, but for some reason, they didn't send me the application form to so to study. And um, it was very tough time for me because I study. I was studying one of the best school in Hanoi and. And then after that, um, uh, I didn't go to university to study. And um, uh, it was so, in Asia, education is very important, especially we came from a poor area. So um, that is even more important because we only think that the education will change our life. And so um, because of that, I decided to study the tourism later on. And the first year when I was a student, I learned English. And when I was in high school, I learned Russian. So from Russian to English, oh, way, way difficult for me. <laughs> it took like months for me to remember words. I say, why they write in this way, but pronounce in the other. <laughs> so it was very difficult, but God was so grace, uh, graceful to me and so great for me. Um, I practiced my English to a foreign people in a destination after school. I would cycle there, and if it's a, a tourist destination in the area, and so many there, there were so many tourists went there. So if any of them went there without a guide, I would come to them, approach them, and offer them a guide service for free. But they gave me chance to practice English, and um, there's a it's a one day that um, 
there's a manager of the hotel, somehow they knew me and then they rang me and they say, oh, I have a 12 uh, people from Ohio and they wanted to have a tour guide. I was like, I don't need money, I just want to practice English. And he said, no, you come, you work, I pay you such money. And uh, I told my mom that, okay, if you go to the temple, because in our country we have a lot of temple and pagoda that they worship Buddha. If you go to the temple, you pray that they do not ask me any question. I just tell, they just listen what I'm saying and don't ask me a question because I might not understand what I'm saying. <laughs> My English was that bad. <laughs> and then they were so gracious to me and then they, they were very kind. They are students they are my age um, and then they share with me um, uh, the gospel and there's a lady that she was keep sending me the track and when I read it, I found that it's amazing and all the team I brought, they are so different. They are full of love and they are joyful all the time and I just realized that they are totally different from the others and I read the track and I told my parents that I want to become a Christian. So I became a Christian in 2000 after two years and so it's amazing because God changed me from I should, I supposed to be a custom officer where I can check all the people coming to my country, see what they bring in and change me from that to a person who's serving and sharing the words to many as I can. So now I just bring the team from all, all over and I work among the tribal people up there. Yes, and um, we, had, we also went through a lot of persecution. Um, among the majority people, we usually have a lot of house churches. So this one is really bring me back to the old days that I went to the house churches. We have only one register in the area I stay, but we have many, many other house churches. And um, for the first few years, when the police knew that we gathering on Sunday, they will bring all of us to the to the um, uh, uh, police station, and then everyone have to write a report. And everyone trying to write, um, you know, I, how they became a Christian and everything. But and then the next Sunday they come again and they send us to the 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 police station again, and we try to explain to them and everything, but they keep came back again and again, and we just realized that. Okay, the next day, if they pick us and send us to the chance, uh, the police station, we would write how wonderful God is to us and to our life and how God changed our life. And then the next day, the next, next Sunday, the police didn't appear. <laughs> but up in the mountain, they have another way of persecution. We worked with one of the tribal Hmong uh, guy that he now a pastor, but before that he was a governor. So he went to different house churches. He persecuted all the belongings like water buffalo, pigs, chicken of the believers, and then they brought them all to the people committee. They slaughtered them and invite all the non-Christian came over and had a party. And you know how the life there was very difficult and um, water buffalo, pigs and chicken, which is very expensive. They only eat chick they raise a chicken and pig, but eat only once in a year because they raise it, it takes a whole year to raise the chicken and pig. So it's only for the new year then they have it. And now those governor people just came and, you know, confiscated and had a party. And um, one day he went to the church, he he. He confiscated the Bible and he brought home, he read the Bible and he felt that there's nothing wrong. And all the things he did was wrong. And he committed himself to a Christian and now he's a pastor 
and he is so active pastor sharing the gospel reaching the people and he said that God God chose me to a pastor and my vision the the idol that God put in my heart is that extend the kingdom if his kingdom doesn't grow I might have to step down and let the other take it that's so wonderful um, that God used him and from the authority, the governor, and become a very active worker for his kingdom, big builder for his kingdom. So, I mean, these are just some of the stories that God changed lives. Um, and some of these are actually very fascinating and very cute. I would just like, there was one little church in the central part of the country, ethnic group, very not very big, and they have house meetings like this. Um, so that kind of persecution took the form of, you know, you meet at 9 o'clock, and then nine, before 9, 8.45, the authorities will come, and you'll create a lot of trouble, and, and then you cannot carry on with your Sunday service. And, uh, and then the, God gave them a lot of creativity. Guess what they did? They said, fine, if they know it's 9 o'clock, we'll meet at 7. <laughs> so by the time they came, oops, everything is done, you know. We had our worship, we had our preaching, we had everything. And then the authorities got smart and they came at 7, but they changed the time, we'll meet at 10. <laughs> so they kept running around and, and you know, they, they just didn't know what to do with them because it just kept changing. I mean, God, God gives, I think, grace to those that are under pressure. I come from a developed, I mean, uh, I come from another, I mean, I, I'm not, uh, uh, I serve in this country, but I'm not from the country. I come from an open country like you do. And if my pastor changes, changes the time of meeting, I tell you he has no church. <laughs> it will be him and his pulpit and no one else. <laughs> but it just shows the love of God that this, and the thirst they have to just to meet together. And sometimes God through that, that intensity and the pressure reveals to us how much more he means to us. How much he means to us. You know, a water, the water is so much more precious to a thirsty soul than when you have a plenty all around you. And back to this, the same past that we were sharing. So he was, you know, a Saul to Paul kind of conversion. Um, and they have a Bible school. For some reason, for one year, they had a permit. They showed us. We were impressed. It was to teach worship, music, and beneath that, they were to teach Bibles. And the idea was to collect people, uh, pastors and evangelists from all over that region, teach them, equip them, train them, and then they send them back to different parts of the region. So that year they had a permit, and we say, you know, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And the next year, he went to apply for the permit again, but they would not give him. Um, so prior before that, a couple of months, um, there was some false preaching that was being done in the mountains. We got to hear about that. We got to hear about it. We called him and he said, you know, some uh, people who came and with some bags of rice, gave it to the people and then led them and made them follow a different gospel, a gospel which challenged the government and the authority. And that was a no-go. So he said he went down to the police. He was called down to the police station because the police knew him and they gathered all the villagers. And at the police station, he shared with everyone that the gospel or the kingdom we are building is a spiritual kingdom. It's not an earthly kingdom. So, so when he needed to apply for the permit, the 
for the second year, the authorities said, we can't give it to you. So because he was one of those who was working with the government, he just told them point, point, point facedly, I'm trying to do my job as a pastor, teaching people the, the proper way and the gospel of, the, of, 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 the, of the Bible and, the, and, and God's word. So if you don't let me teach, don't blame me if people are being led astray. So, so they had, he, God gives wisdom, I think, at the times when it is being needed. And so they told him, we can't give you in black and white, but you can just carry on and do whatever you do. We will not, we will not interfere. So one day we were up in the mountains, we rode into the school, and uh, we met with the, 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 the people, the believers, the pastors, the evangelists who were studying there, and we asked them, uh, so what, what are you going to do? You know, you have no papers, no nothing. And uh, they said, they told her, can we ask you a question? And we said, what? Now, then they said, in, in, the old, in the New Testament, you know, when the believers had to go share the word of God and they went to this place and that place, and did they need, you know, Caesar's mark? Did they need Pilate's permission? Or did they need Harold to give his blessing? No, they went because of the power and authority that God has placed upon them, the commission of Christ, and people went. So we were humble, you know, of all that background we had, and all the church preaching and growing up, <laughs> not talking about these ethnic people whom I just have come to know God in a couple of years before. And it's, it was very refreshing for me that our mandate sometimes does not come, even in countries like, you know, where we are from the government. Our mandate comes right back at the word of God. And if he sends, he equips, he provides, he protects. Because lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You want to say any more? Yeah. I, I, yeah. So that's my story. I don't know whether you have any more stories or if not, we'll turn the time back to Dawn. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you for listening. Yeah. Did you want to say something else right now? No, this is okay. I just, I had a little closing few comments I'll, I want to give. Uh, but we can go to the questions and then jump back. It's, uh, we're very flexible. Okay. You know that, that video where the Asian believers were opening the Bibles, yeah. kissing them? Yeah. Were you there when that happened? No, I wasn't there. In fact, that happened about nine years ago. And one of the AR teams had, instead of shipping the word to these people, one team said, well, we'd like to go deliver it. Uh, because, you see, we get orders for typically about a half a million bags of coffee a year. <laughs> and so the laborers are few, the harvest is white, great, but uh, they took a telephone and they videotaped that on a phone. But... Only, I think it was two or three years ago, we had a friend of ours uh, that uh, interpreted, gave us the text, and then I added the text to the video. Or I think, actually, I think John did. No? Somebody else did. Okay, might have been Alan then. And in one of those videos, it talks about how people can actually go and be involved over in Asia. Is that true? Oh. People here from the States can actually do that? Oh, sure. We're, this congregation oh, actually do that? This is one thing. We're always asking people to pray about joining a team. And so, 8 to 80, any condition, 
We'll help you. But can you explain to the people here? There might be somebody here who would like to do that. How, yeah. What would happen? How much money do they have to raise? Yeah, we're either helping others that we work with, you know, in coordinating a team, going over and scheduling them, or we're recruiting throughout the whole year. Because for Joy and I, uh, we spend about 500 days a year working on this. Uh, days a year, yeah. A lot of hours. But you know what? It's all joy. Count it all joy, brethren, because I wouldn't trade this for anything I've ever done in my life for the privilege of serving Christ with people that have the biggest smiles, the biggest hugs, who ask you before you leave, at least they used to, but the last few years they stopped asking. They would say, when you go back to America, would you please ask every church you go to and every believer you know to please pray for us, pray for us to be strong, pay, pray for us to withstand no matter what the persecution is. We've had some congregations in one country, they sign, I think it's 11 or 12 point commitment when they come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it ends up being, if we are arrested, if we are tortured, if we're put in prison, or if they kill us, we will not deny Jesus Christ. And that goes along with their baptism. And so, you know, we see many things happen. But to join a team, I tell people, you don't have to be big and strong because we're usually hauling small items. Uh, now some of the little itty-bitty items that we're carrying in, uh, these can hold enough information to teach four different language groups, hold four different language New Testaments, handle the, all the good news, the creation, the Bible stories and teaching, all on one little card that can be stuck in one of those little blue devices. They can be put into a brand new item that we're working with for an organization uh, that'll probably be finished here in the next three to six months that we're working on. It's a little solar-powered audio device, a little bit bigger than a business card. You can plug your phones into it to listen to it privately. You can... It's, it runs for five years on solar-powered batteries, and you can put and exchange in and out other microchips for more teaching, and that no one can take and, like, just uh, erase what's on there. If they erase it and try to manipulate the content, it will self-destruct. And so... That item cost about $32, and that reaches hundreds. Right, it's shared amongst multiple families and groups that meet just like you do. So if there's somebody in this congregation who wanted to go and be part of a short-term yeah. team, what would they do? Well, we have an application which we send out to anyone, and we have a little mission handbook that describes more detail about what we do. It has everything about how to pack light, what to take, you know, what you need to do. We walk you through it. Uh, if, if God works out the timing this year, October, November, uh, going over, or 
January, February, or next year. We're constantly helping people get on a team. If a person says, well, I can only physically, I'm limited to what I can carry, not a problem. Because we have real lightweight things that are about, they weigh one or two pounds. You could put it in your purse, you could put it in a backpack. Uh, I mean, we have items that will basically uh, start 400 house churches about small, you know, just about if I took the largest coffee there in that pile, it's that size, it has enough information and items in that package to reach and start 400 house churches. And so uh, it, start, it cost about $46 to basically share the gospel with up, upwards of 300 people, including showing films. Now, also they need to get a Bible. So we get them that in one of those forms that you see on the stand over there, and we get one of those for about $32, the small ones like I'm talking about. And that way, what happens is those, uh, while I'm talking about that, just to give you a little more ammunition, that a person can go on a team and, you know, today you're going to be pulling a suitcase that might have 40, 50 pounds in it, and that's about it, but it's on wheels. So you're not going to kill yourself. Uh, uh, until they changed a lot of regulations, we were hauling suitcases that were 90 to 110 pounds and, uh, and sometimes pulling two of them and then a backpack with 30 to 50 pounds. But things have changed. Uh, things are more automated. We've got audio, video, as well as the print, depending on where we're going and what the need is. But we tell people, if they say, well, you know, um, I'm really afraid and I'd love to go, but uh, can I come and just pray? You bet. Come and be a prayer warrior and just come with us to pray for the team and pray for the people. If they're gonna go this year, they need to, to uh, know soon for yeah. yeah, we have about maximum two weeks left in this window for October, November. And just to give you an idea, most of our trips are 14 days. You can go on an extended trip, you know, and, and if for some reason you can only go for like say seven to ten days, we're real flexible on how we can coordinate because of the volunteers we have involved. And so you could go for a week. We had one person went for a couple of weeks. He turned around the next year, went over for a year and served. And so, you know, God changed his hearts. Yeah. If a person wanted to go this October and didn't have a visa, is there enough time for a pastor? Yeah, like we're going to go down and get our visas uh, probably in the next three weeks. But we always get our airline tickets lined up and have the reservation held. And, and what, it, what it costs for a trip like this to go for, say, two weeks, you're usually looking at somewhere between $2,600 and $2,900. That includes airfare, vans, sometimes taxis, sometimes a rickshaw. <laughs> they call them a cyclo a three-wheel bicycle, uh, but ma mostly it includes all your transportation, all your airfare. Uh, you're in one country twice. 
you're in another country 10 to 20 times, uh, and all of your accommodations and all your breakfasts pretty much are covered. Uh, if you're on the road eating out, uh, we say you need about 200 to $250 at the most uh, for miscellaneous food. You probably won't spend it all because it's really inexpensive. Uh, I think uh, Joy and I together don't spend $300. So people, they all pay their own way, right? That's how this right. works. Right. Everyone pays their own way. And, and we also help with you to wear uh, a fundraising letter to family or friends and whatever. Uh, we had one guy that worked for a car dealership. His boss wasn't even a Christian. He said, I like what you're doing. Here's a thousand bucks. You know, and, and, uh, you know, and so, I mean, there's all sorts of ways we coach you, help you, walk you through it, answer your questions. You know, uh, we go down to San Francisco, we get the necessary visas and, uh, uh, if you don't have a passport, passports are taking usually 30 to 60 days to get one right now. And so you need a passport to book your flight. But, you know, I can, after we close, answer all these questions, happy to do so and share. But I'd like you to pray about really two things. Number one, I like to always ask people, where do you stand with Jesus Christ? Is he your Lord and Savior? If he is, fantastic. If you're not sure, I know Pastor Brian, or uh, I'd love to talk with you a little more. If you know Jesus Christ, but you say, you know, I just don't know what God's leading me to do. You know, that's probably the number one question I've heard in a half a dozen countries the last 12 months. Uh, people of all ages saying, you know, I, I came to know Jesus Christ, but I'm just, I'm not comfortable, and I don't really know what God wants me to do to serve Him. And so sometimes it just takes... Number one, prayer, opening your heart up to the Lord and say, Lord, lead me. Make it so clear to me, even I can understand it. Make it so simple, Lord. And, and I know God, when we're open and we're seeking his direction, I have never had God not show me very clearly what to do or what not to do. And it all starts with your heart, having a clean heart and a repentant position in Jesus Christ where you say, Lord, forgive me of any sin in my life, known or unknown. You know, Lord, just cleanse me and change me and, and show me what it is you want me to do to serve you, to be a faithful follower of you. You know, it's just for the great love of what Jesus Christ has done for everyone on this earth. You know, I wonder why I was so stupid and stubborn for the first 33 years of my life to just live for myself. And, you know, when a man took the time to share Jesus Christ with me when I was 33, it was the beginning of a whole new change from doing it Don's way to striving, even though I fail and I blow it left and right, we all do make mistakes. But the whole thing is, it's where is our focus? It's like one evangelist uh, friend of ours, he said it's one thing to slip into sin or fall, and but don't keep diving into it. You know, Don't just keep leaping 
with both feet without an attitude of care and concern about your relationship with the person, the God, our Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and make him master of your life. But, you know, if anybody wants to talk about anything after this, uh, the second thing I just want to briefly say is we have one mission organization who we've been working with for about a year. They came up to us and they said, you know what? We want you to know we're going to be able to give you at just the cost of what it costs to pay the royalty to the American and International Bible Societies. We're going to give you whatever you need, 10, 20,000, 50,000 copies of the New Testament for 18 cents a piece. Now, this is the rights to download it and put it on any of our forms of media and usage in any language that's been completed anywhere that's done. That is huge. They came back about three weeks ago after we left them in a meeting and they said, by the way, and in fact, let me just tell you one, one quick thing here about it. We were in a meeting with one organization. We left kind of discouraged. They said, you know, we're really committed this year. We can't do a thing to really help you anymore this year other than what we're already doing. And they said, we know what you need. We're on the road driving. I don't know. We're in Arizona, Utah or somewhere. And all of a sudden the phone rings. I answer it. The director for Asia is on the phone. And he said, you know, we had a couple of donors that step up and saw what you're doing. And we met with them. In fact, they were going to meet, they were going to meet the next day with them. And they said, could you email me photos, da, 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 a list of things. Man, I, I was up till midnight or one o'clock. I got that email out quick. They called back, I think it was the next afternoon, and said, we can't make any promises. We can't tell you it's for sure. But it looks favorable, so I ask everybody to pray. They may end up having donors to fund providing us. You see those little devices that are solar powered? They're talking about loading and providing 1,000 of those to us and 5,000 other little items all with up to four languages on each one. And and they said, start praying. I, I said, you can count on that. So I'm asking you, please pray. Because you know what's happened? It's like we named it after talking to our three dozen brothers in, in a meeting here in February. God put it on my heart. Don't keep praying for 1,200 new churches. But Lord, let's start with 5,000 and reach one million with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Let's close in prayer. Our Lord, we come to you as our Lord and Savior. And Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know you and have the assurance of salvation, knowing beyond a, a doubt that they will have eternal life with you, Lord, Speak to their hearts. If there's anyone here today that does not know where you're leading them, Lord, open their heart and mind and put into their thoughts and heart 
what it is you want them to do. Lord, help each one of us to be disciple makers to the third, fourth generation forever, as long as we're here on earth, Lord, to bring people to know you as their Lord and master of their life. And we just thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of being here today and worshiping you.